Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. Okay, so imagine going to school for four years and then right before you graduate, deciding you don't want to do what you were studying. I know a lot of you can relate to that. But don't worry, our next guest definitely pivoted and she created something really great for you. Let's talk to her. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself. My name is Alamide Afalabi. I am a Nigerian-American. I was born in Nigeria, moved when I was five years old to the States. So that was a really fun culture shock for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was raised in a strict Nigerian household. Well, let me not call it strict. My parents were just, they had their ways they liked things done, which I don't blame them for. They had their own upbringing as well. Mm -hmm. Everybody tries their hardest with what they know. That being said, I went to school to be a doctor. Oh, As a Nigerian, that's what we do. And then after taking all those science classes, I was like, this is not for me. (laughs) Oh, wow. Where were you in school when you realized that? A month before graduation. (laughs) Of your bachelor's? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? (laughs) Very serious. I think it was biochem. I was studying for my biochem Mm -hmm. final and I was like, oh, my God, I cannot keep doing this. (laughs) don't like this at all. Isn't biochem like a known killer in college? If I was really honest with myself, my killer really would have been chem one. (laughs) Oh, but you you still stuck it out after that. You were like, maybe it's just one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you know, they're going to stop weeding us out at some point. Yeah. I went through Orgo one, Orgo two, microbio, all of it. And I got to biochem and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not changing. (laughs) Like, Oh my goodness. So then what did you do? You've now got this degree. How do you pivot? In full transparency, I laid in bed for like three months (laughs) because I didn't know what to do with my life. And I was like, I now have this worthless health science degree because I don't know if you know, but with a health science degree, you can really only be a receptionist. (laughs) You can't do anything with it. Yeah, it's just a pre-med degree. So you would have been able to go straight into med school after. Yeah, if I took the MCAT and everything and did well on that, I would have been able to go into med school. But now I've just got this prep degree that won't get me a job in anything. Mm -hmm. So I've moved back into my parents' house, not by choice. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad 
would come into the room every day and just kind of think out loud because I wasn't really responsive. I'll be honest. I was just kind of like, I don't want to hear what anyone's talking about. Like, because I didn't know what to do and everyone was trying to give me suggestions. So I was like, I don't want to hear suggestions. I just don't. I just, I just want it to dawn on me. <laughs> like, yeah. So my dad would come in and he would just be giving all these suggestions. And one day he brought up an MBA and I was half listening to him, but I was like, hmm, that's not such a bad idea. He was just kind of talking about business and all types of things. Because my dad's also an entrepreneur. Okay. After he left the room, I was like, let me see what that's about. And that's what prompted me to apply for my MBA. And I went and got an MBA. Nice. And when you were getting it, did you have an idea what you wanted to do with it? Or are you kind of taking the time to learn from the program? Half and half. So I wanted to be a project manager. I didn't really know what it was, but I think I just liked the title. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> that's real. But also when I was an undergrad, I had this idea to open a center for women. In undergrad, I decided I wanted to open a center for women where women could go and be connected with other women who had experienced counseling in the areas that they were struggling in or had experienced life experience in those areas as well so that they could actually get like proper help. Mm-hmm. So when I first graduated, I, I wanted to get my master's in counseling, mm-hmm. right? Applied for the program. I didn't get in. So I was like, oh shit. I only applied for one program too because I was just so like confident it's <laughs> like yeah. yeah I'm gonna get in <laughs> so I didn't get in and then I was kind of like oh crap what am I gonna do in my life in the back of my mind I knew I was like okay I still want to open my center for women I don't know I had this idea that I was gonna move to Texas don't know why I was gonna move to Texas and open a center near Baylor University. Okay. <laughs> I just woke up like, yeah, I'm going to move by Baylor, open my center for women, and I'm going to work with the university. None of that happened, but it drove me. So that's what matters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was in school for my MBA and I had that idea. And I just went through the program just knowing that I was going to do something. So when you got out of the program, what did you do? What was your first job after that? I was unemployed for seven months. Oh, wow. Moved back into my parents' house again. <laughs> but at this point, they actually were in Nigeria. They had moved to Nigeria. Nigeria for about a year or two. So I was just in the house with my older brother applying for jobs every day and feeling really discouraged. So I was like, why doesn't anyone want to hire me? Now I have an MBA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You're like, isn't this like the holy grail of degrees? Like this should be easy. Right. But they were still like, oh, you have no experience. Like, yeah, because I've been in school. <laughs> Right. What do you want me to do? (laughs) Gosh, it was a really tough time. I'm going to be honest. I really struggled at that time. I was like very majorly depressed (laughs) because it was just like every day I didn't have anything to do with my life. It felt like. So I was applying for jobs and I had a friend who also was in a similar boat applying for jobs and he lived near me. And he's the one who was kind of like, oh, why do you want to open a brick and mortar? He was like, make an app. I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. So he told me to make an app. And at the same time, um, I have two older brothers and my eldest brother, he was trying to help me find a direction in my life. He was like, oh, I have a friend who teaches how to be a user acceptance tester, which is a front end tester for websites and mobile. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I need to do something. And I like UI. I I like, you know, front end stuff. I, I coded on MySpace. You know, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, MySpace. Yes. <laughs> Good times. A little more background. Back in MySpace days, I used to have one of those layout pages that like built layouts for people. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, this is interesting to me. I like that type of stuff. Yeah. So I took this UAT class. It was a six, I think it was a six week class. And I trained for six weeks and applied for jobs as a UAT. I got a job at Chase, like 
like four weeks into the class. Tell us what a UAT is. It's a user acceptance tester. Okay. So you go in, basically you validate the website, make sure it works for users. It looks good. All the buttons work, all the clicks work, and just making sure everything works and that users won't get frustrated and quit the website. Mm -hmm. Do you have to think about like aesthetically and what's instinctual for the user or just more of the functionality? It's more functionality. So there is no user interface or user experience research that I have to do. I just had to follow what the product and project managers wanted to happen mm-hmm. and make sure it worked well. Okay. When I say God was really on my side at this time, <laughs> I'm sure he was on my side the whole time, but I felt alone. <laughs> at the time, I was taking this class in November. And for some reason, I still had this dream of moving to Texas. I was like, I'm moving to Dallas. I don't care what anyone says. So my brother lived out here. Mm-hmm. So I bought a one-way ticket for Christmas for December 6th or December 5th. I was like, I'm just going to buy a ticket and hope I don't have to come back to Tampa, Florida. Oh. And I received a job offer on December 2nd in Dallas. What? And I was like, oh my God. Wow. Alignment. Like such alignment. It was literally God being like, okay, you're making some progress. Let me do the rest for you. And yeah. thank you, God, for that. You got like rewarded for making a commitment, being willing to make a commitment. So Yeah. Yeah. So I knew that Dallas was where I was meant to be because he hadn't supported anywhere else I wanted to go just yet. <laughs> yeah. I love how you have this like constant vision of living in Texas. I'm like, where did you get this from? Was this from like a movie or a TV show? Like what? What is Girl, this vision I don't know. of Texas? <laughs> it makes no sense because I always wanted to live in LA. And then I graduated from undergrad and I started telling all my friends I was moving to Dallas. And they're like, why? And I was like, I don't know. My life is there. My husband is there. I'm going to <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> like... Oh my gosh. So what were your goals like with this job? What did you see your career looking like? More ideas that came to my head. (laughs) (laughs) I decided I was going to use corporate America. Ooh, I hope my current job doesn't hear this. (laughs) I was going to use corporate America as a means to learn everything I needed to learn to make my own business. Mm -hmm. So I have a five years in corporate plan and I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to create a website or what users like in a website because I was a user acceptance tester. I'm here to validate websites and make things that users like to use. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't I use this as an opportunity to learn from my own website? So that's what I did. I went there with the intention of learning how I could build or create a website that wouldn't make users want to stop using it. And I still had this goal of being a project manager. I knew I wanted to be a project manager because that would help me learn how to manage multiple aspects of my business at the same time. Mm -hmm. I worked as a UAT tester for about two years. And then I started making connections in the company with the project management team because I was like, okay, I'm going to make this transition. Mm -hmm. So I started making some connections. I took another course to become certified in agile project management delivery. And that helped me to transition into a project manager. I got a job as a project manager, which is what I do now. I did that at Chase for a few months. And then I was like, yeah, I need more money. Thanks for the opportunity. And I peaced out. (laughs) So you're project manager, you're in this like very techie role. What is that experience like for you as a Black woman? I mean, is there a specific experience? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was a good answer. Um, As a Black woman, it has been interesting to be in this tech space. My manager at the time, I had two managers, one woman and an Indian man. 
they were great. You know, they were honestly very well-meaning people. I feel like they were very kind to me for the most part. But there was this one employee review that went on my year-end review. And my manager had no negative things to say about my work. But he said, you need to smile more. And I was oh like, God, seriously? Oh, like, <sighs> he was like, people... People don't feel like you're happy here. And I was like, well, first of all, smiling has nothing to do with what I'm doing on the computer. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not going to smile at a computer screen all day. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and two, if anyone knows me, I'm actually a super jolly person for the most part. I smile a lot. I've had coworkers literally tell me, oh my gosh, every time you come in the room, like you're so bright. Like you always, I can always hear your laugh. Like, so when he said I need to smile more, I was like, okay, you're just talking shit. Like, what are you talking about? It's just another one of those microaggressions. You know, it's so layered too because it's very specific to a black woman, but also coming from a man, it makes it even mm-hmm. worse because they say that to women all the time, right? And I know he didn't say that to my coworker who barely ever smiled at all. <laughs> I know he didn't, he was a male, mm-hmm. I know he didn't say that to him because this guy literally comes in, he would come in and literally be on his phone all day, like he used to irritate so bad because he was the lead at the time and he was nice too but like work-wise he was the lead and every time I turned around he was on his phone Mm -hmm. and pinging me to get things done of course I'm like (laughs) what are you even doing over there you're like on your phone not talking to anyone don't turn your camera on in meeting I mean me either but what is going on here why am I being told to smile and work harder than everyone else yeah did you say anything back to it or did you kind of just say like okay and just let it roll off your shoulder. I just was like, okay. I remember, I think I went to my desk and packed up my stuff and went home for the day. I was like, I'm not dealing with this shit. (laughs) I was like, I'm out of here. I'm not feeling good. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. So does you not behaving the way someone might want you to, or your body language not being right, does that affect the scoring you get? You know, when you do reviews, does that come up in meetings? Is that really a big deal or is that just something to say? No, it's worthless information. (laughs) It's... (laughs) It has nothing to do with competency. Right. But do they keep carrying it on or is it kind of like an offhanded comment and then you don't really hear about it again? It was an offhanded comment and I never heard mm-hmm. about it again. It was just something to say, I feel like. Yeah. Well, maybe he saw your reaction and was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't say that again. <laughs> probably. <laughs> You're like body language, right? Like even if you didn't say anything, like your eyebrows probably were raised and you probably looked shocked. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure I like rolled my eyes at him and I was like, because I can't hide expressions. Not that I can't hide expressions. I don't care to hide expressions very well. Um, Right. And I find value in being honest. Mm -hmm. If I don't say something, you're going to disrespect me again. (laughs) That's how I see it. This was a couple years ago now. So I'm not sure. I feel like I probably said something to him later where I was like, I smile all the time. Like, and everyone knows me as a very smiling person and it just didn't make sense. And then on top of that, at that point, he and I didn't have much of a relationship but as time passed we did actually build more of like a relationship with one another like he and I actually became really we became really close Mm. So I feel like he probably just didn't even see that anymore because now it's kind of like, oh, well, like, that's how she is. Like, why would she sit at a computer screen and smile at it all day? I think Mm. he finally realized that. (laughs) Yeah. And probably was originally like operating in this unconscious bias Mm -hmm. and hopefully like was able to check himself and then like actually get to know you so that Mm -hmm. he would never even think in the future to say something like that. Right. And I think getting to know me definitely did help. I think people who work with me tend to understand that I can be a very no frills person. Like what I say is what I mean at work. Mm. And if I have a job to do, I'm here to do that job and I'm signing off when my time is up. I'm not here to 
build family with you. <laughs> like, I'm sorry to say. We're a family here. You're like, oh, well, luckily I have my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, work is over. My computer is shut. Yes. I mean, when you're, so you're managing these projects, you're working with people, you're delegating. How has that experience been for you? Are people receptive? Are they reluctant? Do you feel like you've been able to have teams that trust you or are people trying to micromanage? Yeah, I would definitely say I've been blessed to have teams that trust mm-hmm. me. After a while, my lead at the time, the guy who was always on his phone, he left and I became the lead of the team. And so they built a team kind of around me that I was leading and they were very trusting. We built a pretty good relationship and everybody was something that I, I always really appreciated was my team really valued my opinion until, what? until there was this one girl it's one lady (laughs) oh hell oh hell (laughs) that was this one lady who joined the team and I think she was in personal competition with me like in her Mm -hmm. own head she was competing with me Mm -hmm. I was just doing my job I was the lead of the team and you are not (laughs) that's just what it is at the end of the day I mean when I say everything I said she had an argument it was insane. There were days where the team would literally just be on calls and there was five of us at the time. It would be four of us against her, literally. Like mm. she would, there were days that she would get on calls and would literally be like raising her voice at me. And I would, I would be on the call just cause you know, as the black woman, if I raise my voice back or if I get to cussing, it's going to be right. a problem, you know? Right. So you got to control yourself. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would have to be on these calls and I would just be like, okay, well, this is what I've said. I, I'm, I'm repeating the same thing to you. I'm not changing my mind because you're upset. Like, mm. this is what I've said. This is how it's going forward. And she'll just be so upset up in arms. And everyone else on the team would subsequently, like, one at a time would mute and be like, well, Alame, she already told you something. So what do you want her to do now? Like, what, yeah. what is your end goal in this conversation? And she was one of those people. I don't even know. Maybe it wasn't against me. I think she was just going through her own things personally, where she just had to argue with everyone all the time. But it used to piss me off because, like, if I react, I'm going to be the bad guy here. Right. There were days where I would get off calls and I would call my mom and cry because I'm like, this lady is pissing me off and I can't say anything. Yeah. It was so frustrating. I would have, I talked to my managers about it and they ended up kicking her off the team. Oh, good. Yeah. I think that was part of that report that I built with them where they were like, okay, well, I know that Alamide knows what she's talking about. And she's not just like, holy shit. So they had my back and they ended up kicking her off the team. But man, she was the worst person I've ever dealt with at work. Yeah. But unfortunately, like probably a good exercise for you to practice restraining yourself and choosing your words wisely. And I'm happy you had the wherewithal to know like you can't stoop to her level because it's not going to end up the same for you. You're not going to be able to get away with it. Right. They're not just going to move me off the the team to somewhere else. Yeah. They're They're going to get fired. (laughs) 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 Right. Well, okay. Let's talk about therapy. So I'll start off asking, like, have you seen a therapist before? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And what point in your life, like, what was... If you, if you don't mind sharing like the catalyst for that. Yeah. When I was in undergrad, I went through a very unfortunate um, situation that left me really depressed. Mm. I was kind of just laying in bed all day, failing my classes, crying spontaneously, like <laughs> in the library, just like people would say something and be, it'd be very like, I remember one day I was studying and I was like, this is so hard. And I just started crying and everyone was staring at me. And I was just like, I don't know why I'm crying right now. Like I was just oh bawling my, my eyes out. I was having nightmares and I was talking 
talking to my friends and I was like, I think I'm going to try the school counseling thing. Like, I think I'm going to try to talk to a counselor. And all my friends were super supportive of it. They're like, yeah, you should definitely go and see how it works for you. So I went to the school counselor and that is what really started my therapy journey. And that was actually the catalyst for my idea to build this center for women as well, was going to this therapist and seeing that she really couldn't help me very much. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's so interesting. Like as the patient, you can still recognize when you're getting like subpar therapy. Yeah. For You're like, sure. and I'm not a trained therapist, but I know that this is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, For sure. oh my God. Once I had a therapist who would give very obvious reactions when I would tell her things, like of disapproval. Oh God. As I'm just sharing a story or like, and then the person did this and then I did this and she would just scowl. Ew. And I was like, that's yeah, so you rude. kind of suck. <laughs> You're yeah, not supposed to so do rude. that. <laughs> right. And and what and it makes you not want to be honest, which is the whole point of the session, right? Exactly. Cause now I feel judged. Yeah. So it's like so funny. Like we don't necessarily have like specific training in that, but as the patient, you can feel when it's not right. Absolutely. And the therapist I was saying, you know, since it was the university, I, I believe she was a student as well. Oh. Not a student, but she was like training for her license. Mm-hmm. Just got like her a- license or she was new to it. Okay. Like in like the master's program getting hours or something yeah so I think she was really just just trying to go by the book but at the end of the day I just I didn't feel like she understood what I was saying like she was trying to but she couldn't and and, you know she was a white woman in these therapy spaces they're very well-meaning but they just don't quite get it because I went in there for one issue but at the same time around that time was the Trayvon Martin Mm situation and so I'm talking to her and and I'm like you know this whole thing is just so of course I'm frustrated I'm angry I'm like and I was just like why would they not arrest him like he attacked that boy and killed him for nothing like and she white women don't get it (laughs) I mean they don't understand the frustration don't at all (laughs) (laughs) they don't understand the frustration and she said something to me that at the time I thought was smart and then I told my mom and my mom was like that's some dumb shit (laughs) (laughs) I love moms they're like yeah no (laughs) (laughs) she was like you know sometimes god removes people from this earth so that they don't have to deal with something worse or something like that and i was like oh yeah that sounds nice i was like yeah maybe god was protecting him from something my mom was like what (laughs) (laughs) no doesn't make any sense (laughs) look look nice try girl but no it's not it that's not it right (laughs) at this point you're making an excuse for this kid getting killed like be for real yeah so i'm assuming that experience maybe inspired you to begin start saying more it was one of the experiences (laughs) oh you had more oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah of course oh yeah god was like i'm really gonna make sure you understand why you're building this (laughs) yeah grad school grad school yeah grad school i tried again with therapy a few years later you know i was dealing with life again and then this was the time of the mike brown incident Mm -hmm. and i saw a therapist another school therapist another white woman and the mike brown incident i was really impassioned at that time at this point i mean i just felt like we were just being pummeled (laughs) we were receiving so much wait i think at this point i've had to remove myself from receiving all this information but it was like a new story every 
Right. And the Mike Brown thing really, really just got to me. Like, and these stories tend to really get, are, they weigh so heavily on me, which is why I've had to pull back from really engaging. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was around the Mike Brown death and I was in that session and I was telling her how pissed I was. And I was just like, I'm so angry. I'm sick of these white people online. Like I was getting in arguments on Facebook. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I was like, I was like, I'm sick of these people. They are, they don't have any heart. Like they don't even care. How, how did they, what did they mean? He deserved it. Blah, 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 like I was pissed off. And at the end of my rant and my session, she was like, and she was like, you know, I think that maybe you could use some anger management. Wow. Okay. Well, I, that would piss me off so much. Girl. <laughs> I would have walked out. I was like, I don't need anger management. I was like, I'm not angry. Like, look at the world. This is something, first of all, I was within my rights to be angry. Yes. Of course I'm angry. You guys are killing black kids in the streets. Yeah, this is not like unjustified anger. Exactly. If you're not angry about this, then you have a problem. (laughs) Yeah, but so tell me how you started your platform and let's talk a little bit about that. After that lady, I quit therapy uh, again. And it wasn't until I moved to Dallas where I found this gem of a black woman therapist. Oh my gosh. I love her so much. Um, She changed my life. I remember our first session, she was like, we don't use the word angry in here. You may have some misplaced aggression sometimes, but you're not angry for no reason. And I was like, oh my gosh, finally somebody is making me feel better. (laughs) Like, Mm because I've been called angry my whole life. And I'm not an angry person. I just get frustrated. And sometimes it comes out and that's fine. But she was so supportive of me. She was there for me. I still see her. She is so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And after I finally had that experience of having that safe space, I was like, people need this. I have to find a way to provide this safe space for Black people. And that's how I started Start Saying More. I was just kind of like, I want to create a platform where I can connect Black and minority people. It's not only for Black people, but my focus is Black people mostly. Mm. Um, Black and minority people can have a safe space where they are not feeling judged or wrong for having normal emotions and for experiencing what we experience as Black people. Somewhere that we can go where someone gets it. That's what we need. I think I've grown so much since starting therapy with her so much even like people tell me all the time like you've changed in the past few years it's because I finally had this safe space to release emotions and to bounce ideas off somebody and to feel supported and that's the most important thing is I feel so supported with her that I can't imagine what it's like to not feel that kind of support anymore yeah that's amazing that you kind of made those observations and then solve the problem that you saw can you tell the audience like how does the platform work and how they can kind of interact with it so start saying more currently we're our website um you can go to start saying more.com we connect black people and minority people to mental health providers that they will most likely get along with using four factors in our algorithm. We use personality type, which is a major factor that has been researched to show the likelihood of compatibility, typically in romantic relationships, but it also works in friendships. So we theorize that it will also work in therapy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Areas of concern, experiences, and your preferences. So we take all those things as you provide us with your information, we match you with therapists in our database and therapists 
therapists who have the highest matching score are the therapists that we provide to you to contact and reach out to. We have two things we're trying to solve here. We wanted to eliminate all the confusion around looking for a therapist. You know, most people don't even know where to start when it comes to looking for a therapist. Mm -hmm. There are so many websites and directories out there where you see a little bit of the person's bio, but you can't really tell if you're going to get along with somebody, right? So we want to eliminate the search. We want to eliminate the dating around with a therapist, trying to find somebody and it flopping because as you heard, I know the feeling of not feeling supported in therapy. It's yeah. not a good feeling and most people won't want to go back. Can you imagine somebody working themselves up to it? Their family doesn't support it. It's not mm -hmm. something that's been talked about in their household growing up. It's a stigma in their community and then they finally work up to going and they have a horrible experience. Ugh. I mean, you're never going to go back. That's why a lot of people say therapy doesn't work. Yeah. And it's like, Mm, you had the wrong therapist. <laughs> like that's all yeah. it was. You had the wrong therapist. So I want to eliminate that feeling for people um, so they can get the support that they need because black people deal with a lot and we have the highest case of chronic depression in the country. And a lot of the times that chronic depression is viewed as laziness or procrastination or violence and all types of other things. But a lot of times what we really just need is support in the same space. Wow. I did not know that stat. It's sad, honestly. So many black people I don't even think would even have an inkling that they might have chronic depression. They might just think like, oh, I'm just waking up black today. Like, it's just normal to feel disappointed over and over again, or to feel like extreme sadness regularly around things regarding your culture and race. Mm -hmm. Like, right? Yeah. Isn't that normal? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's the saddest part. A lot of times it gets turned against you where people start yeah. saying, oh, you're lazy. You're unmotivated. You're this, you're that. And it's like, man, I'm just trying to live. Like, <laughs> And then what do we do? We go into particularly workspaces and we kind of do this like shuck and jive of like smiley, mm. happy dog pictures, jokes. <laughs> what is going to make other people feel comfortable and make right. us look like we're not as feeling it all as we are. <laughs> right. We're not as emotional as Black people are said to be. Yeah. And then that face, it feeds into the chronic depression, having to put that face on mm -hmm. when you go to work. Because then you get home and you can't keep that face up. I just really want my community to have joy, like real joy. Yeah. What is your goal for your business? How are you measuring impact with this? Right now, we're still in the phase of building out our therapist directory. So if y'all know any therapists, tell them to start saying more. We need more therapists so we can start matching people this year. Ultimately, there's going to be an opportunity for people to actually rate how they feel the sessions are going with their therapist. Okay. Actually provide feedback. And that is how we'll be able to measure impact. Yeah. I want to iterate it until it works for people. I love that. I feel like we like write reviews on Google and these other places, but like nothing happens with them. It doesn't really mm -hmm. change anything. It can slightly contribute to somebody using that person in the future, but it doesn't really give constructive feedback necessarily to the therapist themselves or get to the root of the issue. So I like that you all are gathering that data. Okay. So before we wrap, I want to play a little game with you. Sure. I'm just going to say words and phrases and you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Online therapy. White people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because when I think about online therapy, I think about like Talkspace and BetterHelp and all the damage that they're really doing mm. and how they're not really helping people for real. They're just making money. Gotcha. Okay. Women's History Month. Amazing Black women. Tattoos in the workplace. Nobody's business. <laughs> Trader Joe's. <laughs> oh my gosh, the best. I love that place. 
The tech industry. Useful. Cilantro. Amazing. Oh, the best ever. Okay, that could have gone one of two ways. <laughs> I know. Some people hate cilantro. I love cilantro. It's so good. <laughs> um, meditation. I think it's very necessary to meditate. For me, it's the going to God. Mm -hmm. But whatever you can do to find quiet, it's really important. Coffee. I love it. Oh my gosh, obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, hypnotherapy. I don't know much about it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yay. That was a fun game. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is so fun. Thank you. I had a really good time. Uh, love the honesty in that interview. If you want to connect with Start Saying More, you can find them on Instagram at Start Saying More or StartSayingMore.com. Have a great week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.